Well, we have been in a series on 1 John. We took a little break to hear from, from Pastor Demo, Daryl Morrison. It was amazing. He was super encouraging. And we're going to re-enter into this, this letter that we've been going through where, where John is talking to us about what it means to, to follow Christ, to believe in Jesus, to serve this God and hold tightly to this gospel, even when there are those who, who would try to, to draw us away. And we live in a world where, where we're being drawn away by various things, so it's very applicable to our lives. And not only that, John has this unique emphasis of, of our life and our righteousness being tied to our love and care for one another. And I think that's so important for, for this time and place because whether it's because of COVID or it's because of uh, living in, in the United States where we're very individualistic, we can sometimes think that, hey, I really... It's just me and God. I don't really need these people. And John would say, no, no, if you, if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to have a relationship with his people. And so we're going to be looking at, at chapters 2 and 3, not all of 2 and 3, but the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 today. But before we do that, I just wanted to, to reflect on this, this one thing. I've been working in my backyard to, to grow some grass and if you have children, you understand that, that by and large, children uh, wonderfully will destroy the grass in your yard. Not, not in, because of anything badly, but because they, they run around and they do stuff. And, and beyond that, we, also, we already had some, some areas where we just needed some, some additional care. So I did what any uh, good millennial will do. I went online and asked Google, how do I do this? And <laughs> did someone say what? Yeah, Google. Anyways, um, and so I found out, you know, you got to get some topsoil, get some fertilizer, uh, you, you maybe some tools to, to rake up any sort of dead grass or, or anything that's covering up that area, get some peat moss, which is a lot of fun, super messy. Um, and I planted some, some grass. And so I've been lovingly, or maybe not so lovingly, trying to, to water this grass and see it grow. And, and some portions have grown up really well, despite the rabbits in my yard, and others have, have not grown up well, and they've just not caught on. They've not germinated. But for the grass that has grown, you know, the, the fact of the growth and the blades that I'm getting to see that, that now need to be cut show me that there's something happening below the surface. You know, the blades of grass are showing me that, that there's something happening below the surface. And today, what, what we're going to hear from John is that our life, and, and he'll call it our righteousness, the right ways of living that, that we're called to live, they aren't necessarily the, the plant in and of itself, but it's proof that there's something happening below the surface, that a seed has gone into soil that has germinated, that roots have gone down, and that there's life here. And so we're going to see that, that our righteousness is an evidence that we're abiding in God, that we have a relationship with Jesus, and that we're growing in grace. So uh, I'm going to read this section. It's really long, but I'll read. But let's stand together and, and reverence the Word of God. This is John, 1 John. Chapter 2, verses 28 through 3, verse 10. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, 
you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that, the, that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you once more hearing your word to us, calling us to abide in you, to continue in relationship with you, to trust in you yet again. And God, I pray that, that our hearts would be quickened not just to do the acts of righteousness or the, the things, the religious duties that, that maybe we have as a list, but to do so out of a heart of, of sonship, that we would reflect on the fact that you've adopted us, that you've called us your own, that, that the seed of your gospel message and the work of your spirit has germinated in our hearts to produce fruit. So God, help us as we, as we reflect on this command to abide, to remain in you, to stay connected. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you for standing. So as I said, we've been going through this series, and, and John has been really working against what, what commentators call the uh, secession, the secessionists, the ones who were trying to secede from the church. They had left the church, as we read earlier. John had said, you know, if they were of us, they would have stayed with us. But since they left, their behavior was proof of something that was going on in their souls. And so in this text, we're going to hear more about how our behavior reflects something that's going on in our souls. It's not necessarily salvific. You know, we believe that salvation, being saved, having our, our sins washed clean, being redeemed is not a result of our works, right? This is not something that we do. And yet, we ought to be doing things if we are saved. We ought to be living a particular way, a particular way if we have what he calls the, the seed of God in our lives. And so as we look at this, he's going to encourage us to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ. That, that word's kind of fuzzy, but we're going to talk about it. Remain in Christ, stay connected to Christ as children of God who practice righteousness. 
I'll repeat that. He's going to encourage us to abide in Christ as children of God who practice righteousness. It's all tied together. He's, he's giving us a picture of, of grass. <laughs> or maybe he would call it a vine, as we'll find out. So look at verses uh, 28 and 29 with me. He says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink, shrink, from, his, shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. You might be asking, okay, who is he talking about? And if, if you are, that's good. You should. Abide in who, John? Well, if we go and we continue, it says, so that when he appears, we will have confidence and not shrink. And if you go to verse 27, you see that uh, we're talking about God and Jesus. And he says in verses 26 and 27, I write these things to you uh, about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as he taught you abide in him so we're talking about abiding in Jesus Christ the one who will return the one who promised I'm coming back but what does that mean some of your your bibles might say continue in him or or uh, the the new living translation I like it, it says something like uh, stay in in fellowship with him and Really, when we talk about the Christian life, we are talking about relationship. Now, there are certainly rules and commands that follow, but they're founded in relationship. Relationship is the soil in which God plants the gospel. If we look at, at John chapter 15, we hear some very similar language of this idea of abiding, remaining, staying close. Jesus is speaking here. Now, remember, this is in the Gospel of John. John's the one who's speaking, and so this, this might be something that he's reflecting on as he talks to us in 1 John. He says this, or Jesus says this, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And he goes on and he says in verse 4, abide in me. And I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he says, I am the plant out of which we're growing. This gospel message, it it comes from life that comes out of God. You know, as I was planting the seeds, I was depending upon the soil and the fertilizer and the water to do what it, it does in order to bring life and growth. And in this Christian walk, it's not our actions, it's not our activity that brings life, it's God within us. And we're depending on him to bring life. And he says in verse 28, abide in him so that when he appears, we might have confidence and not shrink. You know that your present activity, family, your present life, your present relationship with God is important for the future. You know, sometimes, I, I, you know, I've been tempted, and I'm sure that you've been tempted to think, you know what, I, I will, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll repent of that sin next time. I'll, I'll stop doing this tomorrow. But he says, no, presently abide in him, because what you're presently doing is preparing you for the future. And in the future, we want to be able to come to Jesus with confidence. God, I've abided in you. You know, Jesus gives this picture in one of the Gospels where he says, you know, some of you are going to come to me and you say, you'll say, haven't we prophesied and haven't we 
we uh, cast out demons in your name, and he'll look at them and he'll say, depart from me or go away. I don't even know you. You see, because our behavior, our actions, apart from staying in a relationship with Jesus, they don't make us connected to Jesus. Just because you're doing things doesn't connect you to Jesus. So he says, first of all, abide, remain in me, stay in relationship with you, me. Practically speaking, what does that look like? Okay, so Monday comes, okay, Pastor Ray told me to abide. First uh, John tells me to abide. What does that even look like? You know, I, I think that sometimes when we read the Bible, we're like, okay, there's this, like, this magical, mystical, uh, you know, I'm going to abide and I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to close my eyes in a dark room and I'm going to abide. I'm going to be present. That's a very kind of Eastern, unconnected, non-biblical way of thinking of this. When Jesus talks about abiding, he's talking about staying in relationship in the very practical ways that, that he stays in relationship. Now, how did Jesus abide with the Father? He got up early and he prayed. And again, it wasn't this sort of home. Oh, no, he was talking to his Father. Thank you, God, for all the things you're doing. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Father, I have this before me. Would you help me? He was praying every morning, early. He was, he was familiar with the word of God. You know, when he was in the wilderness, the, the, the serpent, the enemy, the, the, the devil was tempting him. And each time he was tempted, he rebuttaled the temptation with what? Scripture. He was familiar with this word. Because this, these were his father's words. That he had been in conversation with his father. You know, I've, I encourage so many of you, and I know that if you've had a one-on-one conversation with me, one of the first things I ask is, are you in your word? Are you reading your word every day? And, and I, I think that sometimes we can get tired of it. You know, Pastor Eddie, why do you talk about this all the time? Because if you want to know the father, he's going to speak to you primarily through this word. You know, we're, we're a house that believes in prophecy. We believe that God still speaks through people. But you know what? It, you can gain a vocabulary of God through this word. And I can promise you that if you're unwilling to hear from this word, you're going to have trouble hearing any other words that God has to say. So he says, abide in me. Spend time with me, Jesus says, in prayer, reading your Bible, among other believers, you know, one of the things I noticed about the grass that was growing is that you didn't have one blade of grass. You had clumps of grass. Sadly, they're clumps at this point. Um, we're trying to make it a whole lawn. <laughs> but they grow together. And it seems like the, the clumps that are bigger grow better. And family, again, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but it, it, it needs to be repeated. And I'm thankful for all of you who are online and, and here because you're doing what you can to participate in this body because our lives are not intended to be single blades of grass. We're supposed to create a verdant field of God's his, his glory that people can look and say, oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing. We're supposed to be, you know, expressing all the different wonders of God, growing, what, together. We're reading the Bible. We're praying. We're participating in fellowship. We're, we're 
hanging out with other Christians. That's why so many times in this, in this letter he has said, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. He's going to go on in the next section to talk about loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. If we were to go to, uh, back to John chapter 15, right after he talks about being connected to the vine, what does he say? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Of all the things that he could have said, of all the things that he could have commanded them to do, he says what? Love your brothers as I have loved you. Let that be the commandment that you focus on. Because our love for one another is an expression of of our relationship with God. So he says, abide in me. And then he, he begins to pivot. He says, if you know that he is righteous, talking about Jesus, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. You know, he says, if you can look at Jesus... And, and we're assuming this first part is true. If you can look at Jesus and see that he's righteous, then certainly that anything that Jesus produces is going to look like what? Jesus. It's going to look like righteousness. And so he goes on to talk about not just abiding, but then what does it look like to, for us to be connected to Jesus and looking like Jesus? And he, he says this. It's a bit of a, a left turn, but he says in, in chapter 3, see what kind of love that the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. In fact, the reason why the world doesn't know us is because it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know that, that when he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, John comes back and he says, okay, this is what it looks like for you to abide in him. First of all, it's to remember that you're children of God. Again, this is not something, I mean, he uses language of family. Of all the ways he could talk about our duties and our righteousness, he talks about family. So it's, it's, it's not like a, a list that God gives us. You know, sometimes I think we think about Christianity and we think that God's just standing here, you get saved, and then you come to the, the front and he gives you a to-do list. You're like, okay, do this every day. You're a soldier now. Follow your commands. And, and there's an element of truth to that. But that's not the, the primary picture that God gives us. He gives us a picture of, of family. Now, I've, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. It's really important. In my family, we value spicy food. And that's, and if you don't like spicy food, I'll pray for you. We like spicy food, sometimes to my detriment. Um, and that's, that's kind of a family value. I, I, I remember being a kid and getting the cayenne pepper and I'm not talking about the cayenne pepper in a shaker or like, you know, little, you know, McCormick or whatever. Like, I'm talking about like the, the one that you have at a restaurant. Getting that and putting it on my rice, getting the kimchi and putting it on my plate, getting the, all kinds of spicy food. And then, <laughs> and then getting married and finding out that not everyone has, you know, a, a tub of, of cayenne pepper. That that's not a normal thing. Now it is in our household. <laughs> And, and my wife has come along, and she likes cayenne pepper, among other things. And that's, that's something that, it, it's who we are as, as the Barnes household. There are things about us that it's who we are. It's what we do. And when it comes to our obedience, our righteousness to God, it's not just a, a task list. He's saying, no, 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 you guys are children of God. That's who you are. You're not what, what you were is no longer what you are now. You're a child of God. And you're going you're gonna to reflect those characteristics. 
Not only that, there's hope for us. He goes on and he says, you know what? We don't know what it's going to look like. You know, there's something, we, we read in the scriptures that God, that Jesus is glorified, that there's something shining and bright about that glory. You know, we, we use language to kind of grasp at what that looks like. But John, he reflects and he says, you know what? We don't know what we're going to be like when he comes. We don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, he's going to descend from heaven. You know, if you read Revelation, it gets even crazier. He's going to come with a, on a white sword and there's a, or a white horse and there's a sword that comes out of you know, fire. It's crazy. It's, it's intense sounding. It's spectacular. And John says, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like, but we can take hope and take heart in the fact that we're going to be like him. That however awesome and glorious he's going to be, he's going to allow us to share in that to participate in his glory. That, that the, the things that are going to be awe-inspiring and wonderful about God, we're going to be able to participate in. And he says, in light of that, everyone who, who hopes for that purifies himself as he is pure. You know, sometimes, family, when we wake up in the morning, and it's seven in the morning, and we think about righteousness, you know, okay, i got to read my Bible. We don't, we don't do it because we don't have a picture of the hope set before us. We don't do it because we have our minds set on earthly things. You know, Paul says in Colossians, if you've been raised with Christ in chapter 3, then set your minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You know, his point, Paul's point is, hey, you guys are looking down. And things are always going to look rough when you look down. You're looking at your circumstances, and things are going to look tough when you're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at the fact that you got four hours of sleep, and it's going to be hard to, to trudge through this Bible if you've had four hours of sleep. You're looking at, at how annoying your coworker is, and it's going to be hard to be kind to that coworker if you, if you are, are thinking about how annoying they are. But he's saying, set your mind above. You were meant for more of this, more than this. You were meant for better than this. 80 years is a drop in the bucket compared to the time and the glory that we're going to experience with our Father and with our brother, Jesus Christ. You and I are going to be, be able to participate in, in what is... When you... I was, I was walking. I'm trying to grasp at what this glory looks like. I was, I was walking uh, at, along the Potomac River... We live not too far from there. I mean, most of us do. <laughs> and, and I remember we were walking, and, and to get there, you have to walk through and by these cliffs. They're not super high, but for me, they're high enough, you know? And, and there's this sort of awe and fear that rises up in me when I look at how high we are and, and, and I'm reflecting on how weak I am as a person, that, that if I were to fall off the edge the power of the gravity would be greater than anything that I have in terms of power. And, and God gives us those moments, whether it's looking over the edge uh, or near the Potomac or it's, or it's gazing at the sky around sunset or it's, or it's seeing a baby being born. We have these moments where God gives us a, a, a window into what is wonderful and awesome about creation. And, and he did that to give us a picture and a taste of how wonderful and awesome he is. 
You know, you, you think, why, why does God create such spectacular sunsets? Why is there an aurora borealis? Why did he create stars upon stars upon stars if his focus is primarily on, on earth and on this creation or how he would redeem us? Well, because he is creative and awesome. And as we reflect on that, as we think about how awesome God is, he says, you know what, everyone who hopes in, in the awesomeness of God, everyone who hopes in the fact that he's going to return and it's going to be amazing, everyone who hopes that way, they purify themselves as he is pure. We're, one, we're going to abide in Christ because we're children of God. And he goes on, who practice righteousness. Verses 4 through 10, he, he gives two different parallel statements talking about righteousness and living righteous versus not living righteously. He says in verses 4 and following, everyone who makes a practice of sinning practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Hey guys, you know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. So no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either known him or seen him. And then he repeats himself differently in verses 7 and following. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, right? He says in verse um, 5, you know that he appeared to take away sins. And then in verse 8, he says that the, the, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So he came to take away sin, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. And those who are of him live righteously because they're of him. And those who are not of him, they, they don't live righteously because they're of the devil. And, and that sounds super stark. If you're new and you're not a believer, that may seem a little offensive. And for that, I, I just want to encourage you that we're all in the same boat, apart from Christ. He says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it's evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. See, he he ties our right living, our obedience, our conformity to his will to what? To abiding in him. You know, when I, again, when I survey the grass and I look at this little bunny rabbit that is eating only the new grass, and I'm frustrated with this sweet little bunny rabbit, but I, I, I look at the grass, the grass, it's not sitting on top of the soil. It's not that there's just vertical grass just sitting there. It's attached to roots that have germinated. It's attached to a seed that has been broken and, and that, that is, is allowing the, the blades of grass to come up. It's attached to this plant and it all grows together. And so John is telling us here, you know, we, we are abiding in Jesus Christ. We have the seed of God inside of us, this gospel message Confirm thy Holy Spirit on a life. And it's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce righteousness. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that Christians don't sin. 
right? And the reason I say that is because in chapter one, he talks about this. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in verse eight. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins. So he says in, in chapter one, guys, you, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Anyone who says otherwise is a liar. And yet here he says, if you've got the spirit of God in you, if you've got the, if you've got the, the seed of God of you, if you're a child of God, you won't, what, continue sinning. The point he's making is that there is an upward hill that we're climbing of, of purification, of righteousness, of growing in grace. And when you look at your life, you ought to look at your life five years ago, two years ago, one year ago, and say, you know what, God, I see growth. You know, again, if you ever want to grow your grass, um, be prepared to be watering it for weeks before you see anything happen. Now, if there are botanists in here or people who really love the lawn and they're like, you know what, this is how you do it, great. You can tell me later how to make it happen faster. But even if you have, you know, want to make it happen faster, you still have to wait some time. It still takes time to see growth. But there is growth because there is a seed. And so what John is saying here is if there's a seed, there's going to be growth. If you have been born of God, then you're going to produce righteousness because that's what Jesus produces in the lives of people born of God. And family, if you are continually and habitually in sin, don't fool yourself and think, well, just because I said something or I walked down an aisle or someone, you know, prayed for me, that I'm good to go. While I don't want to make you feel nervous if, if you love God and you're serving God, I think John is telling us that we can't just judge our salvation and our relationship with God by the things that we say. In the same way that I can tell my wife all day long, sweetheart, I love you, but if I treat her poorly all the time, my behavior communicates something about what's really true. And, and family, your behavior and my behavior, it communicates something about what's really true. For some of us who are in sin, you read this passage, and it's, th- this passage is going to be the means by which God is going to produce righteousness in your life. Because you're going to read this, and you're going to say, oh, no, I, I have been walking in sin. And, and this is going to provide the strength and the grace to stop and to say, I'm a child of God, God, I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship is going to be reflected in my faith and repentance from sin. For others of you, you're you're on the other side of it and there's no seed. You don't have any problems with your sin. And this text is saying there's no amount of, of, you can't take little little pieces of, of, you know, scrap wood paint it green, put it in your yard, and call it grass. You can't take astroturf and expect that it's going to do the same thing as grass. You may be able to play football on it, but it's not grass. And it's never going to reproduce. It's never going to grow. And, and by and large, it's going to be a, a facsimile of the real thing. 
If you come to church and you've come today and you think, you know, I do these 10 things, I read my Bible, I go to, I stop cussing, I, I, you know, I'm kind to my, you know, I'm not super unkind to my, well, I put up with my spouse. I, I do these things and that's going to get me right. No, John is saying there has to be a seed that has put down roots and producing growth. And that seed is the gospel message that you and I are sinners in need of salvation, that we cannot bring ourselves to God. But Jesus, who was God incarnate, died the death that we deserve after living the life that we were supposed to live. And he rose again on the third day, defeating Satan, sin, and death. When we begin to believe that message and live in light of that message, that's when the seed grows in us. And that's when our righteousness reflects reality, that we are children of God. But family... All of this, if you, if you go, I want you to go back and look at this. He talks about righteousness a lot. But you know what he doesn't do is he doesn't command us to be righteous. Although he expects us to be righteous. He doesn't command us to be righteous. What does he command? Abide in him. Family, your righteousness and my righteousness begins by looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to I talk to you. I want to pray to you. I want to hear from you. I want to know your will for my life. I want to be around other people who have a relationship with you. When we abide in him, that's when we begin to see that we're children of God and that there's righteousness growing in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to abide. Not, not to do some sort of mystical sort of close our eyes and hope that we tap into the universe, but that we would today spend some time in prayer with you. That we would spend some time reading your word and, and reflecting on it and thinking about how you want us to live in light of it. And that we would talk to some other Christians. We'd, we'd ask them how they're doing. We'd pray for one another. God, we want your gospel life to be reflected in us. Lord, let us be that kind of abiding. I pray that Grace Covenant Church Sterling would be a river into which people would dip and experience the life of God flowing. That we'd be people who love your word that we'd be people who love to hear from you and to talk to you, that we'd be people who love your people. And God, I pray that, that we would be so, that I would be so affected by the hope that you've set before me, that one day I'm gonna see your awesomeness and I'm gonna participate in your awesomeness, that I would live differently here and now. And that, my living differently would be something that's evident to those around me. If you're in this room and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, today's your opportunity. Today's an, uh, your opportunity to turn away from everything you know to be sin or lawlessness, living in rebellion against God and living for God. Not trying to earn something, but trying to live in the light of the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life you should have lived, died the death that you and I deserve, and rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death and offering eternal life 
in relationship to anyone who would trust in him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you're online, would you just uh, click the button to talk to one of our hosts? And some of you have been discouraged by the lack of progress in your life. You've been discouraged by what feels like an inability to, to move forward. You've been discouraged by your circumstances. And I think John would say to you, don't forget who you are. You're a child of God. God invites you to abide with him, to, to have relationship with him and allow him to produce growth. Allow him to bring about growth. Allow him to give you grace and strength to obey. God, would you bless our people? Would you help us to walk in righteousness, to grow in righteousness, and to reflect your goodness and your character? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, family.